0: Shalom and welcome to the 14th Shir in our series on Shemitah's inner message, which is in fact very monumental because it is going to be the final one of the Shiurim before the onset of the Shemitah year. When Rosh Hashanah begins, in not so long. The year five seven, seven five Topshinayan Hay will begin, and with it the Shemitah year. The year of Shabbat Haaretz, the year of the Shabbat of the land. And therefore, While in fact we could have said this the entire year of the sixth year, Erev Shabbat Shalom, Guten Erev Shabbos, here we could say it with so much feeling. The Shemitah year is about to come upon us. Let's just give a quick review of certain things we've seen in order to remind ourselves of these important messages. In order to go into the Shemitah year with excitement. They quote in the name of Rosh Hashanah, that in Rosh Hashanah night of a Shemitah year, when a person says the Bracha of Shechianu and he thanks Hakodesh Boruchu, Shechianu, Vikimanu Vigianu Lasmanazeh, who has given me life and who has allowed me to arrive at this time, one should have in mind a Bracha of Shechianu on the Shemitah year. Imagine the excitement of someone who appreciates what Shemitah is all about. Shabbos, we don't say the Bracha of Shechianu. Because Shabbos, while it comes every seven days, it's not something which comes at set times that are greater or distant. Unfortunately, we grow accustomed to Shabbos. And therefore, part of the goal of the Shemitah year of Shabbat Ha'aretz is to reignite that passion Shabbat of the week as well. To understand certain of the messages of Shabbat as they appear through Shabbat Ha'aretz and to be able to appreciate them every single day. But when we have the Shemitah year only once every seven years, the excitement should be even more palpable. It's not like Hanukkah which comes once every year. And we're excited. Obviously. Part of the excitement for many for Hanukkah is not only the lighting of the candles, but it's also... But if we understand that Shemitah year brings with us tremendous presence, and it brings with us an ability to connect to the omnipresent, so then our excitement should be even more pronounced usual. Once every seven years opportunity. Today two days before Rosh Hashanah tomorrow will be Erev Rosh Hashanah and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to do a Kabbalat Shabbat Ha'aretz the same way in which the tzaddikim of went out based upon the Gemara went out to go and greet the Shabbat Queen and it was there that Shlomo Alkabetz wrote Likrat Kala, pini Shabbat nekabala. It was there that he went out in order to accept the Shabbat. We as well look at the ground, the ground which is not being sold, the ground which the Mitzvot of Shemitah are going to be accomplished. And we look and we can do nothing in a Kabbalat Shabbat. Welcoming in the Shabbos bride, welcoming in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is going to spend a year with us. We pointed out in earlier shiurim that sources indicate that the same way in which on every Shabbat we are blessed with a Neshama with an expanded soul, so too, during the Shemitah year, we are given that Neshama Vina as the Pesukim described, and as the described in the Sfat En, and other sources explain. It is this expanded soul that gives us a greater opportunity to connect to the spiritual that lies behind the physical. The Neshama we explained is a beautiful creation. On the one hand, it's learned out of the word V'yinafesh. Vinafesh is rooted in nefesh, of being sold, of having an additional soul. But we call it a neshama another word for soul. And we explained that the Jewish soul is in fact made up of three components. A nefesh, a ruach, and a neshama. The nefesh is the more physical part. The neshama is h- housed in the intellect. And it's there that an individual Gains his greatest connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bi We say every morning and evening, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Neshama that you gave me, that part of the soul, remains Torah, remains pure, as the day in which I was created. As prior to my creation, where my Neshama learnt, Ko HaTorah Kula, the entire Torah, with a Malach. It is during Shabbat, and during Shabbat HaAretz, that our Nefesh and our Neshama become one. We become expanded with our ability both, as Rashi says in the Masechet Beitzah, to be able to gain more from the physical world, while at the same time to be able to connect with the neshama, to be able to connect with purpose, to be able to connect with the gamut of Kol Torah the entire message of the Torah, through a mitzvah klali. And it is here that Rav, H- Rav Kuk explained so beautifully in his introduction to his Sefer, no, known as none other than Shabbat Ha'aretz, his he describes that the weekly Shabbat is primarily a Shabbat of the individual. While the year of Shemitah, Shabbat Ha'aretz, is a Shabbat of the entire people. It is here as a nation where we not only put aside our pursuits, but we must put them away for an entire year. We must change the way we run our economy. We must change the way we're involved in agriculture. And if one is keen on learning the messages of Shemitah so one will understand that even those who don't engage in agriculture and even those who are seemingly unconnected to the physical land and building the physical land, Shemitah is supposed to have an impact. The messages of Shemitah are supposed to impart themselves to all of the Jewish people. For sure those who live in the land of Israel, but even those who are not privileged to live in the land of Israel and are unable to keep Shemitah are able to live the ideals of Shemitah to a certain degree. And is that what we were speaking about in these shiurim? On Shemitah's inner message? And it's with that that we approach the year of Shemitah. The arrival tomorrow. Of the neshama The arrival of the ultimate shi- Shemitah. Where we could say, We could be so excited that it's not just a Rosh Hashanah a day to cleanse ourselves. But it is also a day to be able to feel the kedusha of Eretz imparted in the kedusha's man. it is a day that we could go out into the fields and have a kabbalat Shabbat HaAretz, welcoming in the Shabbat Queen who will reside in the land of Israel in a special way for an entire year. I must add that this year we have an even greater opportunity. We mentioned that Shabbat we are given a neshama yitira because Rosh Hashanah falls out this year on a Yom Hamishi on a Thursday. That means that Yom Kippur is going to fall out on Shabbat. Now, always enlightening. But think about it for a moment. Shabbat, we are given a the Yeterah. Yom Kippur is known in the Torah as Shabbat Shabbaton, the ultimate Shabbat. Chances are the Neshama then is in the that is even unparalleled in the regular Shabbat but beyond that imagine this year when Yom Kippur on Shabbat falls out during Shabbat Haaretz falls out during the Shemitah year the ultimate Neshama Yitera will be possible the ultimate ability to connect to what our nation truly stands for the ultimate ability to be able to transform ourselves while imparting the messages of Shemitah with that in mind with that palpable excitement let's go and conclude the ideas that we presented in the previous shir, and then afterwards we'll be able to have a number of shiurim directly related to Shemitah itself the various mitzvot of Shemitah presented in the Torah and what each one of them has to teach us what we have seen is as follows from the dawn of creation it was clear that one's choice of a profession was to a certain degree a revelation of one's character during early years of the world, there were two primary op- occupations. One occupation was to be involved in shepherding, to shepherd animals, to be involved in cultivating not one's own wealth, but in caring for the needs of animals in order to ensure that one can survive. We saw that that was the preferred occupation of individuals who were spiritually inclined. Farming, on the other hand, was a profession of those interested in physical acquisition rather than tending to the needs of others. Many farmers, beginning with Kayin, were overly influenced by their acquisitions, and their outlooks changed accordingly. For this reason, it is very understandable why we look at all the Avot, what was their profession? Shepherding. It was only Yitzhak Avinu, who besides shepherding, spent some time growing. He planted and he received an abundance, Mea But at the same time, as the profession continued, shepherding, shepherding, shepherding. We saw last week that Yosef had dreams. Yosef had dreams of a new reality. Yosef not only dreamed about the the sun, the stars, and the moon, but Yosef also dreamed about sheaves. Yosef dreamed that there would be sheaves, bundles of sheaves which would bow down to him. The brothers were taken aback. As Refersh Hirsch explains, who's thinking about sheaves? Maybe in the distant future. But who now can think about sheaves? We are a nation of shepherds. And as a nation of shepherds, we understand that in order to be able to cultivate our personalities, we have to work on caring for animals and not building up our acquisitions. But Yosef's dreams prevailed. Yosef saw a new reality, and in fact this reality came into existence. And when this reality came into existence... The entire Jewish people chain, there are not many Jewish shepherds. There's certainly some. And in fact, today, there are fewer Jews involved in agriculture than ever before. But still, in the land of Israel, 3% of the population is involved in agriculture. I don't know the exact percentages, but just from looking around and living in the Judean hills, I could tell you that it seems far less are involved in shepherding. Most of the shepherds don't even seem to be. Jews at all. And even those who are, and are very proud of their profession, and at the same time, are able to inculcate many of the messages that the Avod had, that still seems to be a very small amount. We became a nation of agriculture, rather than a nation of shepherds. And Yosef saw this in the future of the Jewish people. But it rubbed the brothers the wrong way. And while rubbing the brothers the wrong way, the brothers ultimately branded Yosef as a rode, as someone who is out to pursue and to uproot their way of life. What happened? For some reason, Yosef succeeded. In order to understand Yosef's success, in order to understand what Yosef saw, we have to add in another part of this age-old dilemma of what is the preferred pre-industrial profession. When Yosef ends up in Egypt, Yosef sees Yosef is put in jail and Yosef is removed from jail in order to be given the opportunity to be able to explain the meaning behind Paro's dreams. For some reason, Paro has two dreams as well, just as Yosef. One dream of animals, of the fat cows and the skinny cows and the skinny cows eating the fat cows. And another of bundles of sheaves similar to Yosef he dreams of bundles of sheaves and when dreaming of bundles of sheaves the skinny bundles eat the fat bundles no one can explain Paro's dream but Yosef is called upon for that reason why did Paro's advisors fail to interpret his dream correctly? one might suggest that the idea of gathering and sheaves seemed to them an act so devoid of spiritual significance that it could not possibly convey a message from God. Yosef, meanwhile, understood that though agriculture is a challenging profession, where, as Hashem told, Cain, sin crouches at the door, still man can rule over it, as Akush Baruch said, and man can use it in a spiritually positive manner. Therefore, Yosef had no difficulty seeing how an agricultural, earthly dream contained within it a divine message. Yosef understood that agriculture is not in its own right bad. Agriculture has challenges, and they should not be denied. But on the other hand, agriculture can be uplifted. If one rules over it, one can succeed. This idea of what Yosef saw in the potential of agriculture is explained by Rav Hirsch as well. Reverse says as follows. Man's natural labor was agriculture. Man needed to work the land in order to provide himself with food for sustenance. This is also Israel's destiny according to the Torah. Yosef saw that the ultimate destiny of the Jewish people was going to be involvement in agriculture. But agriculture? Agriculture was the profession of Cain. Agriculture was what ruined Noah. And not only that, agriculture was the profession of Egypt. Egyptians were involved in agriculture. Egyptians ruled the world because of their possession of agriculture. They were the ones who were able to house seven years worth of plenty by saving from all their growth. They had tremendous acquisitions in agriculture. But yet they did not see this as a road to spirituality. The Egyptians saw this as a means of gathering wealth, as a means of gathering acquisitions for the rich, and having the impoverished go work hard, slave labor, going and working the lands, whether it be building pyramids or whether it be planting. They had chosen agriculture as their prime pursuit. The Torah even tells us that when Yosef brought the brothers to Egypt, you might have thought that Yosef who saw an agricultural destiny to the Jewish people when the brothers would come he would tell the brothers start your involvement in agriculture learn from the best learn from the masters of the world learn from the Egyptians what agriculture is supposed to be. But Yosef does just the opposite. Yosef tells his brothers I'm going to send you to Goshen and I have the perfect thing for you to say to the Egyptians in order that they want, no, do not want you to live amongst them. Tell them that you are shepherds. The abomination of Egypt are those who are shepherds. The Egyptians worship the sheep. And therefore, shepherding? That was not a profession. Maybe that was involvement in spirituality. But we're agriculture individuals. Those people who spend all their time working on the needs of animals. They're missing it. They don't understand. Our capitalist cu- culture. They don't understand how to make money. And therefore, Yosef understood that although there was an agricultural destiny to the Jewish people, it would not come out of the land of Egypt. In fact, keep far away, Yosef said to his brothers, to his father's household, I will go up and tell Paro, and I will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. These men are shepherds, for they have always been owners of livestock. And they have brought their flocks and their cattle and all that they have. And if it comes to pass that Paru calls you and asks, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been owners of livestock from our youth until now, both we and our ancestors, so that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, because all shepherds are abhorrent to the Egyptians. This is the idea that Yosef imparts to his brothers. Tell the Egyptians you are not like them. You are shepherds, you come from a line of shepherds, and you intend to remain shepherds. Although Yosef saw the agricultural destiny of the Jewish people, for some reason that we must understand why Yosef said that the Jewish people are not yet ready to realize that destiny. Rav Hirsch details the contrast between the Avot choosing to be shepherds as opposed to the Egyptian disdain for that profession. He says as follows, Consider the antipathy of the ancient Egyptians towards shepherds and pastoral peoples. All the negative outgrowths of the agricultural mentality discussed were found in Egypt. Egyptian culture, culture was based on agriculture. Its characteristic features were polytheism on the one hand and human enslavement on the other. Work was the purpose of man. The individual had no value, no dignity, no freedom. The Egyptian was born a slave to his occupation. Faith in God, faith in the freedom of man, and man's likeness to God remained alive only in the hearts of one tribe of shepherds, our forefathers. The Egyptian leaders were very shrewd in instilling in their people an implacable hatred for pastoral peoples. The Egyptians hated shepherds. They hated what shepherds stood for. And therefore, we were proud to announce we are shepherds. But yet, for some reason, in the distant future, and as Yosef said, not so distant future, the Jewish people would actually be an agricultural people the Jewish people upon their return to the land of Israel will stop being shepherds. Yosef was correct that if the Jewish people had remained in the land of Israel had there not been brotherly fighting had we not been sent into the Galut of Egypt so then the Jewish people would have began a life of agriculture. But this life of agriculture was not possible in Egypt. We had to remain very distant from Egypt. How could this be? So I think the explanation is basic. Agriculture is a mitzvah when performed in the context of the agricultural mitzvah of Eretz Agriculture is a mitzvah specifically in the land of Israel. Yosef understood that in Egypt, agriculture was not the optimal profession of the Jewish people. Because when building the land in Egypt, what is one doing? One is building one's wealth, one is focused on this acquisition. One is riding themselves right into the hands of the angel Samech Mem that we spoke about who tried so hard in presenting the challenge where a person has to work and toil on the land and is almost impossible for one to see that real success, real sustenance comes from the hand of God. It is in the land of Egypt that agriculture is bad. But Yosef says, upon the return of the Jewish people to Eretz Israel when we return to the Holy Land, the land itself will not only be sanctified, but it will sanctify all that grows within it. That which grows within it will be Tevel. It will require one to be mafresh, one to separate, true motu All the mitzvot of the land are a recognition of the Kedusha that the land imparts. The mitzvot of the land are the mitzvot which guide us to be able to be involved in the physical world, to be able to develop an economy, to be able to have our physical involvement in the world, not only an act of human acquisition, but an act of divine conquest. When the Jewish people would take hold of the land, when they would conquer the land, the land would become sanctified. And when the Jewish people were kicked out of the land, an element of the land for the mitzvot at huyot ba'aretz, for these agricultural mitzvot, which are ingrained in the land, would cease. When would the mitzvot return upon the return of the Jewish people? Says the Rambam, when they acquire the land and chazaka lands, what the Jewish people lived in, planted in, would become holy insofar as the mitzvot atul are concerned. As the Tashbits explains, Eretz Yisrael is always holy. But the agricultural mitzvot require the presence of the Jewish people. The agricultural mitzvot require that the Jewish people come to acquire the land with an eye towards holiness. To acquire the land and to plant in the land and during those plantings in the land to be able to watch the land flourish not only with physical beauty of the growth of the produce of Eretz but the fact that that physical beauty is a sign of spirituality. It is this idea that Yosef saw. And it is this idea that Yosef guided his brothers and guided his people. Upon our return to Eretz Yisrael, that is where the land of Israel will take its true shape. As a land not only of physical acquisition, but a land of spiritual power through one's physical acquisition. Beforehand you'll be shepherds. But when the return to Eretz Yisrael comes, we'll go in the footsteps of the one forefather who never left the land of Israel. Yitzchak Avinu Yitzchak Avinu was the only one of our forefathers to be engaged in agriculture seemingly for this very reason Yitzchak Avinu understood that agriculture's place is places in Eretz Yishol. in chutzlar, it's be a shepherd have a profession where you're able to work on your character but if you want to be involved in acquisition if you want to be involved in building one's wealth ensure that the wealth you are building is wealth which will be spiritual wealth as well this is the lesson of all the Mitzvot HaTurot without fail. If one looks for a moment at Leket, shichacha, and the various agricultural forms of tzedakah that exist uniquely in Eretz Yisrael, they're a fascinating expression of some of the ideas which are more directly expressed in Shemitah. Leket, shichacha, and peya mean that to a certain degree there are parts of a person's field that do not belong to them. You think that you're acquiring, you think that you're building, you think you have this massive field of 60 acres. But in fact, one of those acres on the corner is going to be Peah. One of those acres does not belong to you. One of those acres is where there is ownership for the poor. And when you're gathering from your field and you forget something, don't think for a moment that what you forgot is yours. Because that is going to be given to the poor who can go f- through your field as if they own it, and be able to take from the gleanings, these are the mitzvot arts. These are the mitzvot atulut pa'aritz which exist through all seven years, through all six years primarily, of a person's hold on the land, where a person goes and realizes that their physical acquisition is in fact an expression of budding spirituality. We're true. They are not caring for the concerns of the animals, but they are caring for the concerns of stuff grown in Eretz Yisho. After the disengagement, I had the unique opportunity of taking a group of guys in order to help one of the farmers who was displaced from Kush Katif to be able to set up some greenhouses. This farmer was one who wears what they call kipat HaShamayim. He did not have a physical kippa on his head. But his awareness of the presence of God in his life was very heartwarming. What he essentially said is as follows. He told these boys from American backgrounds who lifting up certain things for a greenhouse was almost impossible for them. He told them as follows. He said, we're working here on rocky land. But don't think for a moment that these are mere rocks. These are the rocks of the land of Israel. And in these rocks of the land of Israel, every single one of them is precious. We work hard, but realize that what we are growing here is not only physical bounty, but we are growing here is a spiritual connection. We are growing here is the placement of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. And he said, I'm a young guy. I don't wear a kippah now, but I know I will in the future. The more I'm involved in agriculture, the more I understand and the more I see clearly the hand of God in my life. Agriculture in the land of Israel does not bring us away from Yiddishkeit. Does not bring us away from HaKodesh Boruchu. But if performed properly, brings us towards a Boruch This is part of the lesson of the overall framework of the Mitzvot HaTluvot Baritz. However, there is one set of Mitzvot HaTluvot Baritz which is more clear and the idea of one's physical acquiring of the land of Israel being being garnered for spiritual goals. And that is the mitzvah of Shemitah, the mitzvah of Shabbat. Once every seven years, we give not only one sixtieth of our field to the poor, but essentially we give our entire field, equal ownership to all of society. And you ask for a moment, how could any economy exist? based upon the principles of Shemitah. Who would be so foolish to think that fulfillment of the mitzvah of Shemitah will not last in bankruptcy of an entire country? You want to know who? One who believes that the hand of God is the hand that supports us. That what we receive is like the Garden of Eden. What we receive is like man min With all our hard work, we might fulfill we might fulfill the curse given to Adam Arishon that by the sweat of your brow you will eat bread but we are not the ones responsible for our wealth our physical growth our acts of physical acquisition in the land of Israel are spiritual and therefore if we possess the emuna, if we possess the belief and the understanding and the knowledge that that which we have is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we do not fear for a moment the mitzvot of Shemitah are the mitzvot which declare in such clarity our acquisition in the land of Israel our involvement in acquisition is a holy endeavor and by this holy endeavor we are able to succeed in recognizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu throughout our entire economic platform Throughout all the years, throughout the other 6 years, we're able to recognize through the mitzvat tliur pa'aretz, we're able to recognize what our economy truly stands for. What our presence in the land of Israel truly stands for. With this understanding in mind, it is not hard to imagine Moshe Rabbeinu's difficulty when told that he cannot enter into the land of Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu davens and continues to daven and HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him no. Moshe Rabbeinu says he supplicated before God he wants to go into Eretz Yisrael. Medjah says HaKadosh Baruch Hu said no more. No more davening for this. Why Moshe Rabbeinu had reached such intense heights who would spoken to God panim el panim. Why is it that it was so important for Moshe Rabbeinu to come to Eretz Yisrael? The Gemara in Daf Yudal asks this question. And the Gemara says, Did Moshe Rabbeinu really need to eat from the fruits of Eretz Yisrael? Why do you want to come? The Gemara says, no. Moshe Rabbeinu understood there are many mitzvot that only apply in Eretz Yisrael, And those mitzvot Moshe Rabbeinu had no part of And because he had no part of, he wanted to come to Eretz Yisrael in order to do so. This Gemara poses a major difficulty. Because the context of the Gemara seems to downplay the significance of eating the fruits of Eretz Yisrael. Did he need to eat from the fruits of Eretz Yisrael? Obviously not. He was only there for the mitzvot. But yet, if we look at the text of our benching, and we look at the text of our alamichya, we find that one of the things we speak about of the amazing part of Eretz Yishol is to be able to eat from the fruits of Eretz Yisrael. Seemingly, eating from the fruits of Eretz Yishol is precious. How could it be that the Gemara seems as if it's insignificant? There are many explanations offered, but I'd like to offer another one. And that's as follows eating from the fruits of Eretz Yisrael in its own right is insignificant. But if eating with the fruits of Eretz Yisrael with an understanding of the background of the mitzvah of Plutipa with an understanding of the background of the agricultural mitzvah, which allow us to have the framework of how our physical sustenance and our physical abundance can be an expression of godliness, can be an expression of spirituality. So then, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted. He didn't want the fruits alone. He wanted the fruits that are kodosh, bikdushas, tevel. He wanted the fruits that after being mafish, trumos, maesros, ging truma to his brother Aaron, being able to eat the maeser rishon himself. This is what he wanted. And he wanted the mitzvah of shemitah. He wanted to be able to be a part of the mitzvah arts which transform physical acquisition to spiritual bounty. This is what we have to be excited about. We mentioned that Parsha Bahar uses the term Lo-Ochlo. We pointed out that that term began in Gan Eden. It continued. Mentioned by Noah. And then mentioned again by the falling of the moon in the desert which we'll have to discuss. But one thing is clear. We have the ability now to do a Moshe Ha'bein did Le Le'echon <coughs> to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of La'ochla, to eat the fruits of Eretz Yisrael with Kidusha Shvit. to be able to eat starting from soon into the year. The vegetables will have Kedush Shvit, the fruits will have only later in the year. But we'll be able to eat the fruits of mitzvah HaTluet Ba'aretz. We'll be able to view our physical acquisition in the backdrop of spirituality. It is this that we're excited about, it is this that we await. And it is this that already by next year, we will have the Neshama Yitaira of Kiddush HaTshvi'in, the Neshama Yitairah of Shabbat HaAretz, when we continue our efforts to greater appreciate this fantastic year. Erev Shabbat Shalom, V'Ktiva V'Chatimah